Hello and welcome to the big topic in women's MMA. Frank Posen here along with Juan Humes. Don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com. I post all the uh, videos up on my blog, except for this week, for some reason, the Priscilla Cachera versus... Uh, versus a Gian Kim fight was not, video was not posted. So I wasn't able to put it up. I wasn't able to put it up. Sean, we're going to talk about that match first. Uh, Priscilla won by unanimous decision. And fans were in an uproar over the judging. Um, I think they're kind of misreading a little bit. What do you think, Sean? Um, I feel like it's once again, it once again comes down to an issue of one person landed a lot more volume, one person landed with bigger power, and the one thing that it didn't help herself, and and I, I don't want to falter for this because she still kind of showed the better skills and the better better efficiency, but she kept giving up ground to Priscilla, and with her skill set, if she would have stood her ground, and when she landed a shot, stepped into Priscilla. I believe she could have got her out of there. So she kind of gave Priscilla a lot more conceding ground and letting letting her kind kind of paint the picture that she was in charge and she was being aggressive and Kim was trying to get away from her. I'm not saying it's right, but I could see that logic. Okay, so this is I thought Kim won the fight, but I didn't think it was all. I didn't think it was. Uh, you know, a route or anything. It was a close fight. My problem with Priscilla is very simple. She throws a lot, but she misses most of the time. The problem is judges kind of read that wrong. Like, she has a kind of style that judges will misread. And the well, other they, thing... They, and the they other misread thing, the fighters. Yeah, the other thing is that, uh, and Dan Tom mentioned this, is that, again, Fans are basing this on the unofficial stats that they put up on the screen, and they're not. I don't think one. They're actually watching the fight, and they don't. I don't think they know what they're looking at. Okay. Um, yeah. That's why I don't listen to a lot of fans. It, unlike unlike other sports like basketball or football, most people most most of those athletes will say, "Well, the fans don't know." The fans don't know as much. Most people have played basketball for at least four to six years. Most people have played football six to eight years. Some people even in college. So they have a better understanding of their sport than most mixed, than fans of mixed martial artists do because most most fans of mixed martial arts, in my experience, don't train martial arts. They don't really have any concept of what they're doing, of, of what they're seeing because, A, they don't really study the sport. They're a fan of fighting, a student of the game. And two, they've never sparred or fought, so they don't have any real point of firsthand experience when they're watching a fight, people who either study the game or people who've done it, their perspective is a lot different than fans who just say, well, this person got hit a lot. It's, it's not just that simple. And like you said in the fight, it was closer. Even though Kim landed a lot, Kim missed a lot of shots too. And even though she was landing, at no point was she able to take control of the fight and stop Priscilla's forward pressure. Priscilla. Well, Schwan, that has to do with the way she fights anyway. She's been like this since she came to the UFC 2017. Okay, and so it's the thing, well, I thought she won the fight anyway. I mean, I gave her the first two rounds and uh, the third round for, for, for Priscilla, but round one and three, 
people want to acknowledge. Okay, round two, I don't think it was that close. I think she went pretty handily. But the problem with her is this. Look, she's a Korean. So Koreans are basically kickboxers, right? Okay? Yep. And her punching style is the same as it was in 2017. She's, she's a counterpunch. Okay? She doesn't she doesn't initiate anything. And the problem is now she's training in wrestling with John Wood at Syndicate MMA, and he hasn't done anything with her. She's the same fighter she was in 2017. She's not any better. Okay? So, you know, I, I can understand, I can understand how she lost that fight. It's just that she's not aggressive enough. Does land, she did land more. They're pillow shots, man. Nobody's that, going to. Nobody's going to get, get. Nobody's going to. There's not going to be any damage from that. That being well, that's said, that's being that being said, Priscilla has got a broken nose and a broken foot. Out of it. That's my point. She's a counterfighter, but she's not an active counterfighter. She's like like Bobby Green or even Jorge Masvidal in, in a certain sense, because you can fire off a bunch of shots, but she she doesn't counter immediately. She won't same time counter you she won't punch with you and she won't punch right after she'll let you get off 15 16 17 and then she'll counter you know maybe throw five and even if she lands all five of them the fact that that person threw three times as many shots is going to drown out those five she landed because even even when she lands them like you said one they're not hard shots they're not really hard shots and two she doesn't ever really build off those shots. She, there's been a couple times Priscilla was coming right in on her. She landed a shot, and she could have stepped forward and put three, four, five, and really had Priscilla on her heels, maybe even dropped her. But she's a safety-first fighter. She won't ever bite down and walk through any fire to get her shots. So she's only going to win when she clearly, when she completely outclasses someone. Anybody who can stay stay close to her is going to have an argument because A, she doesn't hit very hard, and B, she doesn't dissuade anybody from coming after her. So Priscilla, from round one to round three, and in round three she ramped it up, but from one round one to round three was throwing, was throwing heat, was throwing tons of volume, and she did not slow down at any point. So the judges are seeing that saying, well, even if she's getting hit, the, the, the punches aren't doing any damage because her volume is going up each round. So she's getting more control of the fight because they see Kim – if you're going to give ground like that, you've got to be – you can't get touched. You have to almost be flawless in your fighting. And Kim isn't that good a striker. Her, her, her success is a stylistic success. It's not skill. It's a style of fighting that gives her success. Her actual skill in that style of fighting isn't really all that great. Listen, she, like I said, I don't see any improvement in her. It, it's going to be hard to get improvement with her. She doesn't hit hard enough, and I think mentally she's she's a safety first fighter. Okay, so I Swan, can... I, I want to know how you scored this. Um, I actually thought, I thought round one, I thought round three was clear for Priscilla. Round two was clear for Kim. I could see round one going either way. I, I might have even leaned Priscilla in the first round. All right, like I said, uh, please, this is to fans, all fans, please. Do not use the on-screen stats that you see during the fight to make a decision for you. Watch the damn fight. And if you don't know what you're looking at, talk to somebody who does know what they're looking at, like me and Sean. Okay? <laughs> How's that for a, for a message? Hey, it's the truth.
Okay. The other fight here we had, uh, whatever the hell their name is, Nunez. I can't never remember her first name. Estela uh, Nunez? Estela Nunez, right. She beat uh, Ramona Pasquale by unanimous decision. <laughs> Estela reminds me a lot of, guess who? Jessica Andrade. She also yeah. reminds she also reminds me a lot of Rinda Tai, okay? Because she's five foot two, and she's trying to fight a feather, you know. And Rinda Kai has done that, right? Um, yeah. So, so, um, but she sure as hell throws hard, man. And it yeah, took her about a, it, it took and it took her about a round or so to get her to get her uh, distance uh, in gear, but what she did, brother. To me, this this fight was very similar to the uh, the Cachoeira Kim fight in the sense that Pascal was Ramona was she was trying to maintain her distance. She was trying to use all her tools, knees, use her limbs. Hey, where'd you go? Enhanced speed was so dramatic. She kept dropping her because hold on, she hold, on, hold, on. Left. hold on. Are you still there? Yes. Okay. You got cut off there for like about 15 seconds, I think. Yeah. Well, basically, what these the two fights on the two women's fights mirrored each other. The biggest difference was Estella is a much better athlete than Cachuera. And that speed and explosiveness was hard for Ramona to deal with. He kept trying to keep the fight at distance and try to control her. But in clinches, Nunez was just powering through her. And at distance, if Nunez had a hard time closing the distance, but once once Nunez kind of got her timing, she just kept exploding through and hitting her with that left hand and dropping her. So Ramona had no place she was safe at. She couldn't stay at distance because she couldn't deal with Nunez's hand speed and the foot speed. And even on the inside, Nunes was just so strong and so explosive, she couldn't deal with her there. Ramona probably showed the better all-round skills, but once again, it shows you how much athleticism and aggression can turn fight in mixed martial arts. Because that's basically all Nunes had over, athleticism and aggression. And she just wore she wore Ramona out. Ramona spent all her energy trying to get, get away from the damage and couldn't really put, put her shots together against Nunes at all. Well, Estella normally fights at bantamweight and Schwann, because of her size, I see her having big problems with some of the better fighters in the division. And I think ultimately she'll end up having to go down to um, flyweight because that's what Rindakai had to do. You know, that's 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 basically what what uh, Jessica Andrade had to do. I'll you say can't one thing: fi- if- you can't you can't be five foot two and fight it that way. There's no way. If you're if you're able to drop and rock girls at featherweight, when you go down to flyweight, you mu- you might be killing girls when you hit them because she has power. Well, but but, but, she, but, she, but she's going to have trouble with some of the better fighters in the division. I don't think she's going to be that long. Yeah, well, in featherweight, she'll have problem because, as you said, and then they'll they're actually better athletes at flyweight. She'll have a power advantage and a durability. Well, advantage. no, no, you didn't. Did you did you hear me? She's a bantamweight. Oh, excuse me. I thought she was going to go all the way to flyweight. No, 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 no. She she's a, normally a bantamweight, but she's too 
short to be a bantamweight. Yeah, I mean, well, that that's her problem. Like you said, the size is the problem. And given her size, dropping, being un- being underneath bantamweight would probably be best for her as far as her size. But a lot of her advantage of these higher weights is she's faster than everybody. They can't deal with her hand speed. And that accentuates her. If Ramona could have seen some of these shots coming, she might have been able to defend them, get under them, get a takedown consistently. But the speed difference kept her off balance. And the speed difference allowed Nunes to manage the distance better. It's hard to it's hard to maintain distance against somebody who's four times faster than you, unless you're really really good. And remote enough, and most girls at bantamweight aren't good enough. But the top the top tier girls, the Holmes, the Veras, the uh, Nunes, and Pena, they're big enough and strong enough they can absorb the shots, and, and basically just big brother, big sister Nunes, and wear her out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, that's enough of that. Let's go on to uh, this Saturday's. Uh, First of all, both of the women's fights are on the prelims, and we have a, a an important fight in the uh, strawweight division to begin with, and that is uh, Marina Rodriguez versus uh, Yan Chonan. Okay, and I think whoever wins this fight, Sean, is going to get the next. It could very well get the next title shot. Okay, we'll just have to wait and see uh, about that. But uh, Marina. Uh, she's from Brazil. She trains at uh, Thai Brazil in uh, Florianopolis, Florianopolis um, Brazil. Uh, she's basically a striker. And, and, you know, I don't see her doing well in a title match. Yan Chonan, last time we saw her, she lost to uh, Carla Sparza. And I don't know if she could win this fight. I kind of doubt it. Uh, I think Marina's going to win, but she's not going to win the title. She just doesn't. She isn't good enough. But she's good enough to win this fight. Yeah, um, the biggest thing with Marina is she. Her biggest weapon is her width of skill. She's durable. She's physical, but she has a broad range of skill. It's hard to find an area you can really exploit her at. She can box a little bit. She can fighting the clinch with elbows and knees. She can counter. She can lead a little bit. She can wrestle, defensively wrestle. She can offensively take you down. She can defend submissions, and she can get submissions. So since she doesn't have a real weak link in her game, she can challenge you in multiple areas. And even in the areas you're good at, she can hold her own with you. And in the areas you're weak at, she can completely have her way with you. That's basically how she's won her fight. She's not a dynamic striker. She doesn't have dynamic power. She doesn't have really dynamic athleticism. Otherwise, some of the fighters she's faced wouldn't have gone so many rounds with her. Against her biggest, her biggest tools are she's a good technician on the feet, but a lot of her her success comes from her volume and her physicality. She's able to throw a lot of volume, throw a lot of techniques, and kind of overwhelm people. Once you let her build momentum, she can just walk you down and overwhelm you with her her work rate. And people get tired from defending, or they get tired from trying to match it and fight with her. The problem for her is that she has a big gap in her wrestling and I know she's gone to improve that but once you start improving your wrestling and using your wrestling more that instantly takes some of your volume out of the equation especially when you're more of a defensive wrestler Jan's not really she, she's not really a offensive type wrestler and um, she's, she's shown that she can be bullied in certain spots and she's shown that she doesn't have a lot of creativity to what she's doing she basically throws variations of the same combination over and over she just throws them so much most girls, most fighters in MMA can't get around it because they don't have 
clinching skills. They don't have boxing range skills. And they don't have the footwork to really stick to, to neutralize it. Marina has all those things. Now, the thing that the thing about it is it's going to be competitive to a certain degree just because of the pace and the physicality she has, of Jan has. But ultimately, I feel like the all-around skills of Marina is going to be the determining factor. She just has more ways, more areas she's dangerous in. Jan let's, is think, very let's, let's stop talking ahead. about this. I just think Marina's going to win this fight fairly. I don't. I think she'll win it decisively. I don't think it'll be easy. Wow. It'll be more of a challenge than Mackenzie Dern, just because Jan's going to keep pressing her, and she'll keep she'll she'll search for she'll search for exchanges. And Dern Dern doesn't have Jan's skill set, and I think later when Dern starts getting hurt, she starts being unwilling to pay a price to do damage. And I think Jan is going to continue to to put her, herself in the line of fire to do damage. Okay, now. I forgot to mention there was supposed to be a fight Manon Fioro against Jessica I and Jessica I got injured. So they did not find a last minute replacement because they got big plans for Manon. And so they moved the fight to I think May and it's going to be uh, Jennifer Maya. Uh, so I mean if Manon wins that fight she could be fighting for the title next. Yeah. Uh, I fight too. She's a different level of she's one of the few people I could say might be able to exchange on even terms to a certain degree with Valentina as far as her striking. Well that's that's why they're doing that. Okay. So uh, the second fight on this this show is a grudge match. It is Marina Moroz versus Maria Agapova. And um, this is at uh, Flyweight. So the deal here is these two at one point were both training in American top team. And uh, Maria left American Top Team. She's now training at MMA Masters. And Marina went on some podcast in Europe or something like that and claimed that uh, Maria was using drugs and all kinds of nonsense like that. And uh, her manager, Maria's manager, Alex Davis, basically debunked all that stuff and said really what the problem was is she was having anxiety attacks when we had that training. Now she's changing gym. She's Masters. I'm not crazy about either fighter. Did you know that Marina hasn't fought in two years? Yes, I do. Okay. And the problem is she's pulled out of four different fights. Okay. And so, I mean, she's been in the UFC since 2015. I just don't think she's improved at all. She's basically still a boxer. She has no power. And I just don't think she's all she's cracked up to be. She's also, by the way, uh, she, she's a boxer because her husband is a boxer. Okay. And well, so, she is good at it. Huh? Good at boxing. Yeah, but she's not good at MMA. I know. I'm just like, when you say her husband, she's a boxer because her husband's a boxer, that may be true, but she is very good. It's not like she's just a girl who took it on and sucks. Yeah. She sucks at MMA. And Maria is one that came out of um, the Contender Series. Eventually, they signed her, and she's a lower mid-card fighter. Don't care who wins this fight. Okay, the grudge match part of it is hilarious. It's just so stupid. uh, I don't care. What do you think? Well, I mean, I still think it should be a good fight. I think Maria is probably the better athlete. She's been the more active fighter recently. And as you said, she has the better 
all-round skill set um, as far as being able to grapple and wrestle, offensively, defensively, counter, mm-hmm. submitting, and striking. She's got she's got a broader skill set. I don't know if that makes as much of a difference against Marina because got such a clear advantage in the boxing, and Maria isn't the type of wrestler or grappler who just blows you blows your doors off, gets you off your heat, and you. And Maria's had issues with people who have good punching power and can box a little bit. Um, ultimately, it's going to come down. Ultimately, I think Marina's lack of activity recently is going to make it a lot more difficult fight than it should be. If she had been fighting actively and, and it was going to be sharp, I feel like her boxing-oriented style, her ability to manage distance and work a jab and counterpunch would be enough to get past Ar- Agapova. But right now, she hasn't been active. She very much. So I think Maria's going to be – Maria's improved a little bit more, and Maria already ha- had the advantage as far as the all-round skill set and is a better athlete. The, the chance that Marina uh, – the chance that – Excuse me, Agapova is. The chance that Morose is going to have over her is that Agapova is not very durable. And if you can kind of control her aggression a little bit, jabs and feints, you can you, you can have your way with her. You can back her up. You can beat her up. You can break her down. So, um, but it's just going to be maintaining that distance and being able to get through those rough spots. And I'm not sure if, if Morose can do it because she just hasn't been fighting very often. So I, I don't know what yeah, she's that- I think I think the two year layoff is a big deal here. Yeah, I mean you have to you have to favor the person who's been more active. I mean maybe maybe we see a, a brand new Morose when she comes back, maybe, but that's that's generally not how it works. In you don't get better not doing something. Yeah, I got Maria in this one too, but I don't care. All right, so Swan, let, let's go on to to. Uh, um, uh, the second, let's uh, go on to something else here. Sean, what the hell is going on in Bellator? Uh, what would you be talking about? What what could possibly go well, on? Well, uh, Kavanaugh is getting another title shot. Uh, Kat Zingano dropped out of her fight with uh, Pam Sorensen. And uh, now there are reports that Bellator did make a contract offer to Kayla Harrison. Uh, Ariel Hawani reported that, and then uh, she decided to take it back to PFL, and so she's signing there. She's going back to PFL, and after all, and this next fight is Cyborg's final fight of her Bellator contract. So, what can we make of all of this? Well, before we get into that, I, I will say I have to commend Kavanaugh on that win. That was all guts. That was a lot of heart. She fought through and exposed. McCourt's lack of cage IQ. McCourt has no ability to process fights. You have a person who can barely stand and you take them down. Genius. So props to Sinead Kavanaugh. Um, as far as the cats in Ghana and the and the cyborg thing, that's Bellator. Bellator is willing to spend so much money and Bellator is only willing to invest so much of themselves into fighters. I know this for a fact because I know fighters who, who whose managers work with Bellator. Them, why don't you have more depth? Why don't you bring in this? Why don't you do that? And they're like, they'll invest in bigger names that might have an immediate payout, but they're not willing to invest enough in the division. That's why they won't bring in top 15, top 13 type fighters to fill out the division to make it viable, to make it competitive, to give us fresh matchups. They're just not very interested in doing that, even though they should have a fairly big resource of money. It's just not what they're willing to do. They, they, they He's on. He's on a budget. The Paramount, the Paramount owners, they're not going to give him so much. Yeah, they're, they're, 
they're pinching pennies and it works because they have a good product and they're obviously the second biggest in North America, but they never can really compete with the UFC because they're only willing to spend so much and they're only willing to go through certain avenues to, to everything's short-sighted. There's no long-term plan to compete with the UFC. Can we compete for, with them right now, this month, next week, next month? It's not a five years from now, two years from now. Otherwise, they've taken a different approach. That's my opinion based off the conversations I've had. Um, I have no idea what they're going to do with Cyborg. I think Cyborg's actually going to try her hand at boxing at some point and try to see, yeah, see if she can figure it and, and to be honest, Cyborg will be able to win titles in boxing. I can guarantee you that right now. She'll win a couple titles, and she might end up fighting. Shields, they're cool, but they might end up fighting for a title. Cyborg's good enough where she can compete in winning boxing and win a title. As far as Katz and Gano, no offense to Katz and Gano. She's a warrior. She's tough. But let's be honest, Katzengano has been one of the flakier fighters in MMA history, if we're being honest. She's been kind of back and forth. She'll call somebody out and say they're not a professional and they don't want to fight, and then she'll pull out of her fight. She'll say, I want to fight this person, but we should get paid $2 million for it. She's made some very confusing statements over her career. So any situation that breaks down with Katzengano is never a shock to me because she's been sort of a fighter who situations that don't they don't move her career forward. Okay, the other thing I wanted to mention is that the UFC announced that uh, in UFC 275 in, I think it's May, that's going to be in Singapore. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko will defend the flyweight title against Taylor Santos. Okay, so uh, people are going, what? But here's the deal. Taylor Santos is Brazilian. She's actually a teammate of Marine Rodriguez at Thai Brazil. Uh, but she's had a bit of a run in the UFC. And the other thing is I looked at the rankings and she's the highest ranked fighter who has not lost to Valentina already. Okay. She's like ranked number five or six or something like that. And she beat Joanne Wood in her last fight. She also beat Roxanne Modafferi. But the point is she's probably not going to win this fight. Okay, and this is why they're they're doing uh, Manuel Fierro with uh, uh, with uh, Jennifer Maya because that's who your next contender is is Manuel Fierro. Well, I will say this: um, I think Santos, with her athleticism and her style, presents more more of an interesting matchup than most of Valentina's recent fights have been. She's been clearly a better athlete and better striker than a lot of people, which gives her two huge advantages in dictating pace and place of the fight. But also, I, I, if if Juliana Pena wins her fight against Nunes in the rematch, I think there's a good chance we see Valentina say, hey, I want to go back up and challenge Pena. I beat her once. Now we can have her for the title. And I'm the most dominant person in my weight class. She's, she's beaten the most dominant person in her weight class. That fight makes some sense. We could sell something with that fight. We couldn't sell the Nunez Shevchenko three because Shevchenko hadn't won any of them. But you can sell Pena Shevchenko because Shevchenko has a submission win over Pena. Yeah, that's a possibility too. Uh, anything you want to talk about, Schwan? Nope, that's it, sir. Okay, that's it. That's it again. Don't forget to check out my blog. Blogspot.com. If you have any questions or comments for the blog, or my podcast, you can leave the name's voicemail. If you'd like to subscribe to the podcast, you can do so the podcast and the podcast on Spotify. Good fights. We'll talk to you later.